Hey everybody, welcome to the Be Better Tomorrow podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fisher. Today we're talking to an old friend of mine, Laura Coffey, who's the president and founder of Painted Turtle Partners, where she provides career transition advice for both individuals and businesses. She's also the pathway director and career advisor for students going through the Columbus Tech Elevator program. Now, Laura has transitioned a great deal in her career, as from a social worker to an entrepreneur to a program director, business advisor. She's done a little bit of everything, and she brings all those skills together to help other people find a career that suits them. But I don't have to tell you everything. I'm going to let Laura tell you about herself. Okay, Laura, I just read everyone your bio, but why don't you go ahead and tell everyone about yourself? All right. Well, I have been a business owner for three years now. I just hit my three-year mark, which is... Congratulations. I know. It's really exciting to me. They say there's that threshold, and not that it's smooth sailing, but it's an exciting point to have hit. And I am a career transition expert. I help individuals and businesses with career advisement, career support, whether it's an individual that's trying to figure out in what direction they want to go and how to start a business. Or it may be a company, a small to medium-sized company that's looking to hire the right person or do some management training or they have to let somebody go. I help through that whole process. So that is my area of focus. You can help me answer the question, what should I be when I grow up? Yes. (laughs) And again and again and again Again. because it keeps changing. So. Yeah, exactly. We do go through some changes in our lives where different phases where we want to do different things and certain things become more important. And oftentimes we don't change our career to align with that, I think. You're right. You're right. Okay. And what kind of processes do you use to help people with that? You know, I have uh, three steps for individuals, and they can do any or all. Just really every person has different needs. For one, it might be that they're just not sure what they want to do. So I have what's called the Berkman Assessment. I became uh, trained in, became a consultant. And so this assessment can really help you to figure out the direction you want to go, what your needs are, all of that. The assessment's the first important part to help you figure out the direction. The second area that I go is your resume and your cover letter. It's your marketing material. How do you brand yourself? How do you get yourself out there? It's so important that you do it right. And um, I find a lot of my clients, it's hard for them to brag about themselves. So I'm really good at doing that for them. And then the third piece that I do is just that career advisement piece. How do you interview? How do you build your network? What should your LinkedIn profile look like? Those are all, again, so important in developing your brand and getting your name out there in the right way. So. Yeah, I'm almost embarrassed if you've looked at my LinkedIn profile. I, <laughs> I get very inter- into something for about five minutes yeah. and then work on it and then forget about it and move on. Yeah, it so. is. It's, it's a process and it changes so quickly. LinkedIn changes a lot. So staying on top of that is really important. Yeah. So. Let's back up a minute. Talk. How did you get started doing your own? Were you always looking to be an entrepreneur or was there something that was a catalyst to push you out into doing your own work? You know, I've had, over my career, so many different kinds of careers. I started as a social worker where I just really loved the program. I know. I I loved the program development piece of it. I loved connecting people and helping them through their issues that they were facing at the time. And then I started my own, my first company was called Parents at Work, where I would take parents who had... Um, wanted to stay at home, but they still wanted to use their talents and, and work. And so I would work on matching them up with contract positions, whether it was marketing, accounting, and things like that. I did that for several years. And 
From that, I got the opportunity to work with Rev One Tech Columbus at the time. And so I got to work in the startup scene and work with businesses and connecting people, and I love that. Then I went into working for a startup, which, which was great experience. And um, from that startup, um, I loved the team. I loved all the hats I got to wear. But I realized it just wasn't going to be the right fit for me. And I was at an age and a stage of my life that I think I just wanted a little bit more control in the direction that I was going. I wanted to be able to impact people's lives and help them through that. I think go back to my social work roots. So that's what helped me to decide to go back out on my own and start okay. Painted Turtle. This show's traditionally targeted at two different groups. Um, I, I talk about the people who are in a nine to five that they enjoy, but they're maybe looking to improve professionally and figure out what that looks like. Okay. Do you find that people that go through your process have to leave where they are often, or can they find a way to do what they want to do inside of the organization they're already a part of? That's a great question. I, I think it's really been both. The clients that I've worked with, sometimes it is, um, sometimes they've been forced out. Sometimes they just are unhappy and they're looking for that next career gig. But sometimes it's being in that same position, but just being able to, to figure out how to change within that corporation. I, mean, I imagine if it's a large enough place, like a Fortune 50 or 500 company, there's probably a space somewhere right. to do what they want to do that right. they can make that move over time. Right. But if you're working for a small organization that can't afford to waste your seat, basically, mm -hmm. you may have to find something else. And you I think may. that probably scares a lot of people. Sure. Yeah, I think that's, I think you're right. I think there is that fear of, you know, do I stay and upskill? Will they allow me to do that or should I just start brand yeah. new? So Or keep growing until they can't use me anymore and, and then probably, hopefully I've gotten the skills I need to, to make a move that's easier to, do, to manage. Yeah, you know, so many people talk about job stability. I just think that's a fallacy. I mean, no job, whether it's a small company or even the Fortune 100 companies do truly have stability. So I just think it's important to really stay up on what it is, assess yourself, stay up on all that, because if you don't, then you just never know. So right. you, you always want to be prepared, I think. You know, I, I come from two parents that worked in the same job as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, and my mom belonged to a union, so they took care of a lot of that stuff for her. She worked in that job. She was fine. Uh, but I got into my career right before the big recession, and so I got to see, and I, I think it's a benefit, a lot of layoffs. Yeah. And realized very quickly that what I thought my parents, or what I saw my parents have, was not going to be an option for me. Mm -hmm. I had to take some ownership over my own career, my own direction. I've always considered myself an independent contractor, even when I was a full-time employee. Yeah. That my career is my own, and they, they'll do career development for me, I'm sure, but not as well as I'm going to do it for myself. Exactly. Uh, I think... Anyone who's probably listening to this podcast should have the same attitude. If they don't, they need to listen harder. Um, you have to yeah. kind of take ownership over what you're doing and figure out what that looks like. Um, I think oftentimes working with a third party who can have an external view would be very helpful yeah. to figure that out. Because you can't see your own blind spots and you can't see. We talked about that with um, Brian Wagner, who is partially blind. And, and so that's yeah. his, his kind of angle on things is finding those blind spots in your life. Yeah. But everyone has them and they don't always recognize what they are. Exactly. Um, now, it's really obvious for the other angle of people I, I talk to, which are those folks who want to start something on their own but maybe don't know exactly what it is. I think, mm -hmm. like you said, there's often a dissatisfaction that people have, but they can't put their finger on what the satisfaction would be. Yeah. And so you talked about the uh, Berkman model, method. The Berkman assessment. assessment. Yes, the Berkman assessment. Um, 
Can you just tell us a little about what that looks like? Is quite you know, is it questions? Is it? Yeah. So the Berkman, the reason there's a lot of assessments out there. I don't know, Jason, have you done a lot of assessments yourself, or have oh, you had a chance over time? I'm familiar with DISC. And okay. Send, yep. Sendelaney has their own branded methods that they yeah. used. Um, so I've, I've done a few with different places I've I've been a part of. I know yeah. it's Blue Rock or Red Sky for for one. I don't remember which okay. name was, but <laughs> yeah. that stuck out to me as funny because yeah. the way it worked out. Um, so I've done a few of those kinds of assessments no, to figure out who there's I am. there's a lot, and there's a lot of really good ones out there. I, I like the Berkman. I, I did some research, and what I liked about the Berkman is that it's both a behavioral assessment and an occupational one. So I wanted to help them figure out where they fit into the corporation culturally, behaviorally, but also if they were trying to figure out the career, it had that occupational piece. So that's why I liked it. It's been around for 60 years, which was really important. And they constantly are changing it and updating it, which I really like. What I have found is it not only tells me like the behavior, what I see when I look at Jason and I say, oh, I know Jason, this is, but it's also what your needs are. And you don't always see your needs. People don't always see your needs, but these are what's really important to you. And so it's important for managers and for you to be aware what those needs are, because if you don't, then you're going to go into stress mode. So then it will identify your stressors. So it's just a really deep report. And I like that. I like that I could go through that. Can you give me an example of one of the things you're talking about where someone may not recognize their needs or their needs may not be met appropriately? Sure, sure. A lot of times you as a person may, um, you may be a person that likes to be more straightforward. Give it to me just as it is. Tell me like it is. More abrupt in the way you you talk to people. Mm-hmm. But that's your style. That's your usual behavior. That's what I see. So as your manager, I may think, okay, that's how he likes to talk to me. So in return, I'm going to talk to him back like that. But really, your need may be that you need a little bit more sensitivity. You may come across like that, but the other side of it is you like people to show that respect. You're more sensitive about that. So if people speak to you in that way, it could cause you to go into stress mode. You might shut down. You may become um, either real sensitive or you can become the other way and you start um, even become more uh, brusque with people. It's, It's a great way for managers or even for yourself to really know you know, what, what is the way to, to best work with you and handle you? Because those two don't always match up. And you say it, it deals with not only the behavioral aspects, but then the occupational aspect as well. Yeah. So what does it help you discover on the occupational side? So on occupational, taking the, like your interest and do you like a lot of variety in your work, those types of things, it, it takes that, assesses all that, and it will list different jobs that you might have an interest in that you'll want to research more, what kind of duties you'll probably like to do based on those interests, those behaviors, and then they'll have a list of occupations that may be a good fit that we'll want to research more and find out about. Cool. So I feel like I did that in, I don't know, maybe ninth, tenth grade. It could we did be some it sort was of different. Test. Sure. And then you're right, we don't do that ever again. Yeah. But and think, it is so ongoing. Yeah. So it is. So it's, it's, we changed so much between high school to college to our twenties and then we're finally, you know, neurologically adults in our thirties. Yeah. <laughs> like it seems like it keeps getting pushed further out. We don't know what we want. We yeah. don't know what we need. Yeah. Um, and without having some evaluation to look at that, I think yeah. that I think it'd be really helpful for people to do it regularly, almost like a mental health checkup for for an occupational and an interest side to make sure you're fulfilling the needs that you have. 
the U.S. Labor Department actually puts out, it's called ONET, and it is an online career site. And you're right, we think about it for high school students, probably maybe college students, but I love having my clients go to ONET um, because it just it has a very robust uh, site where you can put in different titles and then it will tell you all the titles that are similar and what the amount you probably make and how much education you need. And so it really is a good resource for talking about it. But you're right, you don't, once you get out there, you don't think about doing that research anymore. And, and so it is really helpful. Yeah, when I think of my, my target audience for Be Better Tomorrow, one of the people I think of is, is a person who probably graduated during that recession time and took a job they could get. It may not have been a job that they were trained for or ever interested in. They just kind of stepped into a role and now they may be coming out of saying, okay, I've almost got golden handcuffs because I could take a job that fulfills me a little bit more, but I'm going to leave this great salary with this big company because they can afford to pay me enough to do this job that I don't necessarily like. Mm-hmm. Other than like that kind of model, why do you find, or how, why do you think people get trapped in those less fulfilling roles? You know, I think one of the biggest things that I see that traps people is fear, just overall fear like they come to me and they're like I'm not good enough I'm not smart enough and and they're afraid to make that change Uh, what if they're not successful at it what if it doesn't all turn out so stability gives them you know it takes away some of that fear but they're unhappy and I've had some clients or how many times have you talked to somebody that unfortunately has been let go of a job but then they'll turn around maybe a couple months later and the say best it was thing the that ever best. happened. <laughs> exactly. I knew where you were going. Yep. <laughs> exactly. That happens so often. And I think that's why is they didn't have a choice. And they got pushed out of that plane and they had to jump and they had to make it happen. And and they did. And I think sometimes that's what people need is that swift kick in the yeah, seat yeah. just to get out there and go for it. A couple of times I was in the hot seat for layoffs. You know, we got a phone call in the morning. We're going to do layoffs mm-hmm. all day four o'clock we'll have a conference call if you're still here you're safe basically and there was times where I was like I just wish just let me go I've been here long enough for <laughs> some, I'd have some decent, decent severance and now I don't have to worry about being afraid yeah. I'll, I'll be forced to start over yeah I was very fortunate never to have that happen but I could definitely see how you know the mother hen kicking you out of the nest makes yeah. you kind of grow and maybe find something new it is scary change is scary nobody and, likes it and that gremlin that gets in your head that says you're just not good enough it's it's a terrible thing I think it's helpful to have friends, family, people that can support you through that and say, yes, you are, and you can make it kind of thing. So, Since you've worked with a lot of startups in your career and individuals, where do you find similarities and differences in how you work with those two sets of individuals? Yeah, so with, with the startups, you know, you have to write from the beginning, really define what your product and service is and what makes that re- unique. And that's going to be the same way with you as an individual. You think of yourself as an individual being a startup, uh, being a company. What makes you unique? What helps you to stand out from everybody else that is going to be interviewing from that position? You have to also figure out how to market yourself. We talked about LinkedIn, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's your resume, your marketing materials, but it's gonna be really important how you show up, how you sell yourself, and how you market yourself. I think we talked about that a lot of times people have a much easier time selling a product, selling their service, 
versus when they have to sell themselves, when they have to say, this is what makes me unique, this is what, I see that in clients all the time, that they, they really struggle with that and they need help with that. You have to build your network. Um, that's gonna be so important. Who you know is gonna be huge. And so you're gonna have to get out there and just like a company, you're gonna have to do business development. And then you have to, at the very end, just like a business, you have to figure out how to close the deal. You have to figure out how to get the job, how to how to win that over. So there's a whole lot of correlations in my mind between that startup and how you need to propel that startup company and how an individual can do that as well. So we've, we've hit it twice now. I'm going to ask, what are your top three uh, LinkedIn pet peeves or tips you have for us? I think the first one is to show, show up. Um, a lot of times you'll see profiles that are only halfway done. I like to see that the person is taking times, whether it's the pictures or the background picture or just the, the way they have it written up. It shows that they've put some time into it and, and I like that. I like mm-hmm. the way they show up when they market themselves. It's not just that they post their jobs, but they add a little bit more, maybe what they learned from the career, how, you know, how it helped them to grow, those types of things. On LinkedIn, you can be a little bit more casual, a little bit more first person. That's important to use. And then I'd say a couple times a week, actually posting things on there, whether you're, you're commenting on somebody else's post, whether you've been to an event and you're sharing something about what you learned at that event, but you need to show up and you need to use it to really make it a strong resource. So you don't like to see abandoned profiles where yeah, people just never bother? Never bother. That's not a good sign. I have a few friends who are still yeah. the generic profile picture. I'm like, man, I've, I've been friends with you for six years on LinkedIn. <laughs> Maybe you've never needed to look for a job, but it might be there someday. Yeah, <laughs> that picture is very important. And it's, aside from LinkedIn, how would you suggest people go around building a network so they have it before they need it? You know, it's it's getting it's getting out there, but things that really interest you. You know, it doesn't have to be big events where you feel like, oh gosh, there's 200 people. But what what really out there interests you? There's great meetup groups. I love to to attend maybe some meetup groups. But find your interest and and get with people and and start making connections that way. I think the other thing you can do is. You can actually export all your contacts in LinkedIn to an Excel spreadsheet, so you can actually look through that then. And I bet there's some connections in there that you haven't even thought about and you could reach out to and you could invite for a cup of coffee and you can just sit down and pick that person's brain. I know when I was starting my business, that was the number one thing that helped me with my business is just sort of like you and I have done in the past, sitting down, getting a cup of coffee, sharing what's working, sharing what's not working. People are so gracious about that and it always blows my mind how helpful people are. So People want to be helpful and I think they forget that. They do. If, it, as long as we didn't end on bad terms mm-hmm. and, you know, something, and even then sometimes you want to make amends to that friendship yeah. and come back together. If right. you reach out to somebody, hey, lost my job, I just want to talk and see if you know anybody, we're in the same circles, people would love to come out and have coffee oh, with do. you and, or have lunch and, and do whatever. We often think that nobody wants to help us, but people want to help one another. Yeah. And I think that helps us build our network because we're not doing it because we want to get something later, but we want to be helpful and we want to have help when we need it. Yeah. I also, um, another hat that I wear here is to work with a pathway as a pathway director at Tech Elevator. It's a 
coding boot camp, the software developers come out, and we always tell them how important it is to build that network. They're just starting in a whole new career. So get out there, go to all the IT events, start meeting with people. And it's a small group of circle. You know, in the IT, you probably find that too. Once you start meeting people, you start seeing the same people yes. over and over. So. Um, it feels very big when you're starting out, but once you go to a couple events, it's a pretty small group. So. Well, in Columbus specifically, it's still a big yeah. town. I don't yeah. even think about it as a city. Yeah. It, it feels like... More of a town to you. Yeah, all the benefits yeah. of a city, but small neighborhoods, small communities around tech, especially in the different pockets. Like, we have the Columbus Ruby Brigade that's huge, right. but very tight-knit. Yeah. You know, tech Columbus is very, is very still very tight and has parties every year. Yeah. If you run in those circles, you'll meet the same people if you move from one place to another, you can hardly do it without finding you already know somebody there. Mm -hmm. um, I was just walking through my office yesterday, and I don't know if you know Rachel Kershaw. She works with Tech Columbus. No, and, I haven't gotten to it. Um, she was just walking down the hallway, but she was my second guest, no, third guest on my show. Okay. And I was like, oh, what are you doing here? <laughs> Found out that she was on the board with my director and just small it world. is a small world. small world and back to everybody's willing to help everybody they everybody yeah. wants to succeed so it's pretty cool yeah that friend of a friend is usually the part where you find your mm -hmm. find your connections that you need david burkus if i'm saying his name right wrote about that network yeah. effect and it's very helpful to know somebody who knows somebody that can open a door for you yeah. and get you in somewhere yeah so you used to and i think still do do your monday love monday newsletters you know i had done over 30 of those and I was doing them every week highlighting somebody who just totally switched careers like they had started one career and um, one person was a, a doctor and then they went through actually the the um, tech elevator and they became a scrum master so they went from one career to a totally different career so I loved highlighting those the problem I was finding I started doing it weekly and then the problem I ran into is it's, it's hard to find that many people that um, have totally changed careers but it, it went over really well I think people love hearing the stories of how others do do that so yeah. I enjoyed doing it I really did that's like the problem I found doing a podcast I want to start monthly and I, yeah. I can increase later but I don't want to mess I didn't want to go weekly yeah. and then you know I run think out weekly was a little bit over ambitious so I <laughs> but I tried you have so many other things and to I do. still that's right yeah. I still have so what are some of the lessons you learned from all from those 30 interviews that you did with folks about the career change I got a couple um a couple different things from um, from them couple common themes that I learned. The first one that was very common was you have to go for it. You know, we talked about that fear that holds people back, but over and over again, these individuals said sometimes you just have to figure out what you do love and if you're willing to do it, um, even if you didn't get paid for it type of mentality or then you just have to go for it. So that was one of the number one things that I saw was just that courage to go for it. And this is people, again, these are people who didn't just go out on their own. I wanted to highlight both. So you'd, you'd see stories in there about people who totally switched careers and went to a different company, but totally different career, or maybe they did go out on their own. They were working for somebody before. It's important to have a support system in place. So you need to 
Make sure that you either have communities, businesses, individuals, partnerships, but it's also important that your family supports it, you know, that they're willing to be there because you're going to be working some different hours, long hours, and so they have to be on board too. So that was a common theme. You have to keep on learning. Never stop learning, never stop growing, and always taking in new information. I know you're really good at that. You're, I you try. seem to be one that's always trying to listen and to podcast, um, or even this podcast. You know, what a great way to constantly be learning new things. So I think that's that's really important as well. Keep moving forward. You got to do something every day to go for your goals. Don't be afraid again to try it. Know your passion, know your motivation, do what you love. If I said to you, you know, uh, here's a, that, that old, here's a million dollars, what would, what would you do? That's a good one because it takes out the fear of if I don't have enough money, so what would you do and go with that. Continue to network that we talked about. Continue to meet with people. Have a positive attitude. You, you really have to decide that you want it more than you are afraid of it. I had a good friend, Tracy Austin. Uh, You you remember Tracy Tracy from uh, Toastmaster days. So Tracy used to always say that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And the attitude is everything. So again, it's that have a positive attitude and in the end, just having the confidence to go for it. Good. I guess I, and that's a long the, list. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I went on and on, but I'll capture it all in the show notes. Okay. So if people want to read it later, all they right. can. Perfect. Yeah. Tracy had a lot of good things. Tracy and was an amazing, he was. amazing man. Got to um, actually interview his uh, before he had passed away. So his, his blog posting and, and what he talked about and shared actually would be on my website. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's funny. I, I, I think three out of the five people from direction, maybe four, three out of six people that I've interviewed now, I met through Toastmasters. Really? So I almost think they should sponsor this podcast because it, yeah. it becomes such a plug for the organization. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have to confess something. I use a line in all of my public speaking speeches now that I stole from you. You do? I do. Uh, so I tell people, you know, the biggest thing about public speaking is people get nervous and they hate it. Yeah. You shouldn't be nervous, which is easy for me to say because I love public speaking. But if you watch when I talk, I get this red line that comes up my face like the old cartoon characters when they got mad. And I tell people, listen, everyone gets butterflies. You just have to make those butterflies fly in formation. I I do. I do remember we did that. You gave that. You said that. And I said, okay, I'm going to use it a couple times and give you credit. And then I'm going to say a friend. And then it's mine. (laughs) It's all yours. After this point, I think it's fair to You say it much better than I did. Well, no, that's not true at all. You did a great job. You know, Toastmasters or even public speaking, that's that's a great skill, too, for, for all of this. We talked about marketing yourself, but being able to present yourself in a professional way, that's that's a good tie-in, too. So I could talk about that by myself for hours. Yeah, so that could be another topic. <laughs> so what other big points uh, that I didn't ask you about you think we could touch on to, to help people think about this thing a little bit differently? We talked a little bit, I think, on this, is the fact that if you're underemployed and you want to find a way to move up in status or within your company, or if you want to go out on your own. And so I think really for me, you have to decide what what path is right for you. There is not, definitely not, a right choice in that. It's got to be doing a whole lot of assessment and sitting down and really thinking about what is right for you, what is right for your family. You've got to look at your strengths, your passion, your skills. You need to write all of that down. 
and then you have to figure out what you want to do and um, if you really want to be more of a business owner if you want to go into an existing company but I just think that's important to stress there's no right way there's no as we move up as we transition to new careers it's definitely a um, a soul-searching kind of thing that you have to decide so yeah I think in, even in my career I found I'll want something new but I don't mm-hmm. know what it is yeah and so I'll jump and try things and I Emily Wapnick has a term she calls the multi-potentialite we used to call them renaissance man or jack-of-all-trades which they've all kind of, kind of fallen into disuse mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people are like that I know I'm like that I like to get into a lot of things at a low level to understand a breadth of information yeah. I don't know how that fits in her career so I'm trying to figure out how that works well consulting it works because you're always moving from project to project figuring out something new so, um, so that's worked out well for me for the past few years yeah um, but it, but to your point it's not always that it's not always moving on some people would move on to start their own thing some people can figure out how to make it work inside their current organization um, it's just a matter of knowing what you want, though, and figuring how you get to that point. But I think it's so cool you try so many different things. And I think keeping, whether you're looking to change careers or not, keeping that assessment is so important because you can say, boy, these are all the things that I'm really good at. This is what I really like doing. Or, gosh, this is what I hated about this yeah. con- particular position or this hobby I was doing or this job. And having those lists really helped me and help me with my clients to figure out the direction that they want to go. So I think whether you do things on a professional level or you try things more as a hobby or just because you're a little bit interested, I, I just think that's so important and so helpful. So Yeah, I think I did that with one career path I took where I wrote down all my jobs, the things that I did, and plus or minus them, whether I liked them or hated them. So that's about good. different aspects of I liked this part, didn't like this part. You know, with podcasting, I love talking to people. I love, yeah. even love setting it up. I don't like editing. <laughs> I don't like doing that part. <laughs> so I, I've recognized even in things that I love, there's parts that I don't like, but I have to do to deal with it. Right. Uh, but I think a lot of people don't step back because we're so stuck in the day-to-day of paying the bills, getting the work done, just being exhausted when you get home. And a lot of people aren't intentionally introspective about their career or about the things that they're working on. Even how to bring hobbies in, like some people may not even consider, could I do this as a hobby yeah. before I decide whether it's something I want to do permanently? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you could and see if there's a way to do that. Even for a nonprofit or something as a volunteer perspective, you might find that you like it or don't like it right. that way. Right, I, I know even the, the Berkman that we talked about as the assessment, it, it had music as my highest, one of my highest interests, and I play no musical instrument. No, you and should. I was, <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? Why music? But, you know, I realized for me, music was when I'm happy, I, I turn on music. When I'm not feeling real good, I turn on music. It, mm-hmm. it does, it's definitely something that impacts my life. It's an interest. And so it's not just finding what you need in your careers, but what you need in your everyday life that, that interests you or have a positive impact on you. And, and for me, music was one of them. I thought that was interesting. So I'll make sure to have your social media information and everything else in the show notes. But for people who don't go to the website and only, only listen online, can you give us a few places they can reach you, your website or your Instagram or whatever you use as your preferred contact? Sure. sure. Um, so the website they can go to check out is at painted turtle.life. 
actually instead of .com, I, I like that whole life idea. Yeah, I thought good. that was very creative, and so I went with that. Also, they can reach me at lcoffee at painedturtle.life. So if they ever want to just email me or if they have questions or if they want to grab a cup of coffee or whatever, they can they can reach me there. All right, and then one last question that I ask everybody. Uh-oh. What are you doing today to be better tomorrow? You know what, as, as a business owner of Aloha, I've been doing this for three years, that imposter syndrome still can sneak into my head at times. So how am I better is I'm just always trying to learn, learn about careers, learn about uh, how to help people to reach their passions. So I do try every day. I, I wake up with the idea of what can I read or do or learn today that will make me better at it. From what I've studied, and I'm, I'm putting together a presentation on the Dunning-Kruger effect and the imposter syndrome, yeah. only smart people are affected by that. Really? So, yes. Well, I must be very, very, very smart. It <laughs> <laughs> no. helps me sleep at night. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Sure. No, no. <laughs> All right, Laura, thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed listening. If you have any questions, reach out. Check out us Check us out at BeBetterTomorrow.com where you can find all of her information in the show notes, all of our archived episodes, and I hope you will do something today to be better tomorrow. Be Better Tomorrow podcast is brought to you by BeBetterTomorrow.com. It's released under Creative Commons Share and Share Alike with Attribution License, which means you can use this however you want as long as you give credit to BeBetterTomorrow.com. If you're looking for great tips on how to stay hungry, how to get involved, how to get better at what you do, go ahead and head over to BeBetterTomorrow.com, follow us on all the social medias, and please head over to iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music and rate and review us there. It helps other people find out about us so we can all help each other be better tomorrow.